Well, good morning, church. Thank you for being here this morning and being part of us and this family this morning. For those of you joining online, it's a great privilege for you to be here as well. Thank you for tuning in with us. I'm supposed to say hello to mom and my sisters. Uh, I know you're watching, and my hi, um, my young adult life group is watching too. They're on a spiritual retreat, and I'm so proud of each one of them, and I'm glad that they're watching as well. So, if you have not met me before, my name is Jim. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, this is kind of a historical weekend, actually. Uh, it was 12 years ago next Sunday that I would have preached my first sermon here, and so now I get to do it here, so thank you for being part of my history, my story. Yeah, thank you. It's, uh, we're in a new series called My Verse, uh, My Story, and it's been interesting to watch the last two teachers speak. Each one of them uh, are pastors that I've worked under over the last 12 years. So some of you might think, well, that's a pretty hard act to follow. Nope. It's actually impossible to follow, <laughs> but I'll do my best. Uh, they brought some great words. They, Pastor Phil brought about God's word and the power of God's word, how it transforms lives. And uh, Pastor Scott, the week before that, talked about God's plan of discipleship. This morning, I want to share with you God's promise and how it's greatly impacted my life. One, a couple of things I don't want you to hear today, so I'm going to just lay this out front. What I don't want you to hear today is all the things that happened in my story that I'm going to share with you had anything to do with me or my abilities or my skills or whatever. It has nothing to do with that. In fact, really what I don't want you to hear is that this is Jim's story. Why? Because it's really about what God has done and what God is doing through my story, and it's him that I want to be seen and glorified today, not me. And so in light of that, will you pray with me as we get started? Father in heaven, I just ask you and invite you to come into this service today, God. I pray that you would fill this room, that you would touch every heart through the things that you have been doing and from the words from your scriptures, God. I pray that we would leave changed people, people closer to you, people more in touch with you, God, or maybe even somebody who doesn't know you would come to know you today, God. May my story be a supporting role. May it take the back seat, and may you be glorified today, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. There's a song on the radio called My Story, Your Glory. Maybe you've heard of, heard of it. It's by Matthew West, and it talks about the author and how God is moving in through all of his different circumstances. And the chorus goes like this. It says, my story, your glory, my pain, your purpose, my mess, your message. In all things, I know you're working one life, one mission, one reason why I'm living, all for you, not for me, my story, your glory. When we leave here today, here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear that God worked through my circumstances, through my story, so that he could be glorified even today as I tell you all about it. I also want you to know that God is in your story He's in your circumstances. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your past, God can use your story to give him glory and for people to come to know him through that. All we have to do is give it over to him. 
My verse is found in Philippians chapter 4. It's in chapter, verse 19, and this verse has taught me a lot, has brought me through a lot. In fact, I recited it every day for almost a year. And so let's stand together as we read God's word. Philippians 4, verse 19, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Please have a seat. I want to just take a a few minutes and I want to put context around this verse. I want to give you context to why the Apostle Paul wrote this to the Philippian people. See, when Paul wrote this letter, he was in prison. And this group of Christians had sent him some gift support. And so he was very grateful for what they had done. Paul had first met these believers, these these friends rather, uh, through a miraculous time of when God sent him and his companions to a city in Philippi. The city in Philippi um, is a place of a Roman colony where Paul teach and, and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can read all about it in Acts chapter 16 when you have nothing to do this afternoon. So uh, you can take a look at that. So I'm done. No. No. Um, What you heard last week from Pastor Phil is that God's word is powerful. And when God's word is spoken, people's lives are transformed. And such was the case in this city in Philippi. These lives were being changed. The challenge was not everybody liked what was going on. And so there was this very big public disturbance and Paul was thrown into prison. By God's miracle, he was released from prison and he and his companions moved on to Thessalonica where they again taught and preached the word of God. Again, lives were changed. And again, people were very upset with that. And again, Paul's thrown into prison. Apparently, the people in Philippi had heard about this in Thessalonica and so they gathered some resources and they sent it to him to bail him out of trouble. And apparently they sent that gift more than once, or a gift more than once. They did this because they loved Paul. They cared about Paul. And they were behind the message that he was preaching. And so they had no issues with giving of themselves to help Paul out. That brings us to our letter in in Philippi here. Again, we find Paul in prison. And again, he's in need. And the the Philippian people gather again some more resources and send it to him through a church member named Epaphroditus. And the gift that they gave them, to gave Paul, was so sacrificial that apparently it put the Philippian people in their own condition of need. Paul was greatly moved by this. He was greatly thankful for what they had done. And we read about that in Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 8, eight, I'm sorry, verse 10, and it says this, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, or I have, for I have learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. 
I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet, it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I was set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul knew that there was no way he could repay these people for the many gifts that they had given him. But he did know this, and he says with confidence in the next verse, he says to them, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So why is this verse so impactful to me? It is because in these few words, it's packed with great truth and great promise. You see, in 2003, the company I was working for uh, was bought out by another company. And they decided to sit down this new company with all of the managers. I was the information systems manager for the North American region of that company. And they sat down to determine which managers they wanted to keep or needed to keep and which ones needed to leave. I did not win the lottery that day. After a short discussion with the HR director and the vice president, I was kindly escorted out of the building with all my possessions Adios, Jim. Like any human being, I took the next one hour of my commute back home wondering how I was going to tell my beautiful wife, whose love language is security, that everything would be okay. I don't think my facial expression portrayed the same message. I began to worry about how I was going to take care of my family. I'm a person of business experience and education. Finance and planning are my mojo. They're what get me going. And so I carefully determined that I would need to find a job in three months. After all, that's what all the spreadsheets I created and my bank statements said I would have. So three months, that's what I've got. If I didn't get a job in three months, I would probably have to start selling things like furniture, collectibles, our car, our house, my two children. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't sell both my children. <clears throat> Shortly after my job loss, this verse from God came into my life. And I began to recite it every morning as I look for new employment. I had probably used this verse many times in counseling others who were in financial need or spiritual need or physical need. But now God was putting it on my heart to determine whether I would truly trust him. 
So what does this verse say? Let's break it down together. The verse says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his, the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So here's the first thing I want us to do. I want us to acknowledge the source. Where is it coming from? We're going to acknowledge who it is that's giving it to us. And in these words, we find my God. Paul says, and my God. He doesn't use your God, our God. He uses my God. And this is very important because in the city of Philippi, there were plenty of gods that people were worshiping and trusting in. And coincidentally, 2,000 years later, there's still plenty of gods that people are trusting in. False gods. And Paul wanted to be clear. He wanted to make sure that the God of the universe, the God of the Bible, was the God that he was talking about. Not just any God that people made up. His trust, his hope was in the God of the Bible. His God was the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, the God of Jeremiah, the God of King David. His God was the God of Elijah and Elisha, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the prophets. He wanted to be sure that the one true living God was the God that we were talking about, the God of proven reliability. I needed to trust that God. I was put in a position where I could no longer trust me and my skills and my ability for my success. I couldn't trust my well-planned out life to support my family. I needed to trust God. Today, if you hear nothing else that I say, hear this. Put your trust in the God of the Bible. Put your trust in the God of the Bible. Stop trusting in government. Stop trusting in employers. Stop, stop trusting economy, yourself, or anything else. For there is nothing and no one that can be more trusted than God. Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 15 through 18, Paul describes God this way. He says, the Son, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. That is a God worth trusting. So we've acknowledged the source. It is the God of the Bible that is supplying us. The next thing I want us to do is accept the promise, is to accept the promise. Paul stated that God, my God, will meet your needs. Some versions say will supply or will provide. But the key word here is will. In Genesis chapter 22, we read about Abraham, and some of you know this story. But Abraham was asked by God to take his one and only promised son and to offer him on a sacrifice, as a sacrifice on an altar. 
Scripture tells us that Abraham immediately took up the fire and the wood and he brought Isaac and some of his servants and they headed out. And when God said, hey, this is where I want you to do it, Abraham left his servants, took the wood, took the fire and took his son and they headed up the mountain. And as up there heading up the mountain, Isaac looks at, at, at his father and says, um, hey, dad, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham looks at him and says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. As we read further, we see that at the very last second, just as Abraham is about to sacrifice his son, there, caught in the thickets, was a ram to be used for the burnt offering. Later on, Abraham named that mountain, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Paul, again, is being very specific. He doesn't speak in the past tense as as if to say, God has supplied. He doesn't speak in the present tense as if to say, God is supplying. He's speaking in the future tense that says, God will supply. You see, my challenge when I got let go of that job wasn't whether God had provided in the past or if he was providing today. My challenge was, will he provide for my tomorrow? Would I have the same faith that Abraham did and say every day, my God will provide? That was tough. That was tough. As I mentioned earlier, my plan was to find a job in three months so my family would be okay. And if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans, right? Three months came and went. Not a single application or sent resume was even responded to. Not even with a thanks, but no. God did send a couple of day jobs, $100 here or there. But the greatest blessing that we received was from our then life group, who tried to anonymously give us a gift card that covered a month's worth of groceries. An amazing, generous gift from a bunch of great friends in a time where we wouldn't be able to pay it back. And we were so, so grateful for what they did. My wife Allison still worked out of the house and that helped a bunch, but we both knew this wasn't going to last very long. But every day, every month, God seemed to supply us with enough. He supplied our very needs. See, when we're struggling in times of uncertainty, we're not sure what our tomorrow is going to bring, we can rest in the words that Paul says here in Romans chapter 8. Read it with me. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? You see, what we're needing to see here is that the greatest need we've ever had is the need of salvation for our souls. And this great God is supplying that need for us. My God, the God of the Father, willingly gave up that which was most precious to him, his beloved son, so that the need of salvation could be handled. And since he was willing to give up so much, how could I ever fear 
that he wouldn't have not give up any lesser thing for any of my lesser needs. Will you trust God today for your tomorrow? Will you put away a little bit of your worry and say, God will? The next thing we need to do is we need to recognize the gift. What is it that we're getting? If he'll supply it, what is it that he's giving? You'll find the words that he will meet all your needs. And in the context of Paul's letter, Paul's need was financial. It was material. And it seems that this gift, as I said earlier, was so sacrificial that it put the givers in need. And Paul, with confidence, says, God will supply any and all your needs. And I want to be clear here. This is not a wealth and prosperity message. Paul is very particular to say he is going to supply your need, not your wants. There's an old story, joke, about a man that's caught in a flood, standing on the roof of his house as the water slowly rising up towards him. Maybe you've heard it. And he cries out to God, God, help me. I'm about to drown. Send some support. Well, along comes a neighbor in a canoe and says, hey, buddy, get on. I'll take you to safety. And the guy goes, no, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. I'm waiting for God to supply my need. The guy cries out again, God, God, help me. I need your help. Along comes a helicopter and the the ladder rope falls down towards him and the pilot yells out, get on, get on. I'll take you to safety. No, no, you go ahead. I'm waiting for God to supply my need. Well, again, he cries out to God, and with more angst this time, God, you promised, supply my need. What appears to be an angel showed up to him and said, here, I'm I'm here to take you to safety. The guy goes, it's okay. I'm waiting for God. Well, as you can imagine, the water rises up, the man passes away, he stands before God, and he's a little bit upset. He says, God, I don't understand. You promised you would supply all of my needs. I cried out to you. You didn't hear me. And God, I can just imagine, folds his arms, starts to rub his beard. What about the canoe I sent? Well, yeah, that canoe, God, was a little rickety. If I got in it, it would probably tip and fall over, and I had to drown anyway, so I told him to pass on. Okay, well, what about the helicopter? Lord, you know I'm afraid of heights. You know that if I got on that thing, I would be very uncomfortable So I told him to move on. All right, finally, what about the angel I sent you? Well, God, I'm a little confused by that. I've done a lot of work in the church. I've been a good neighbor. I've helped the poor. Surely you would have sent more than one. Ouch! Ouch! But do I treat God that way? Does God not know my needs better than I know my own? Am I that ungrateful sometimes for the things that God sends to supply my needs? Do I expect more? Sometimes we need material possessions, and we serve a God who's abundantly able to take care of all of those when we need it, as was the case in our life. But he may not provide it with money. Maybe he'll provide it through someone else in a different way. Maybe it's with encouragement, or you being served, or somebody coming alongside you in your time of need. 
Or maybe, maybe it's a change of circumstances that will remove that need. Sound like I'm repeating myself. (laughs) What I found is that I needed to trust God. What I needed in my life was trust, not money. What I needed was faith, not position. And God knew what I needed, and so he took me through this journey. Three months turned into seven months without a job or even a prospect of one. And every day, I recited Philippians 4.19, and every day, my voice got a little shakier, and question marks started to appear at the end of that verse. I would start to doubt. God, I have a great need. Could you supply it? And that's when I discovered the rest of this verse, this, the next section, and, and this is where we need to comprehend the comprehend the abundant supply. These words that God uses shows this abundance of supply that God has to supply the needs that we have. Paul says he will meet our need according to his riches and glory. According to his riches and glory. You'll also find that phrase in Ephesians 3 verse 16. You see, God's treasury is limitless and cannot be diminished. And Paul's words are very specific because he doesn't use the term out of his riches. Well, Jim, I'm confused. You're going to need to help me out here. What's the difference between according to and out of? Well, let me try and put this together for you. Let's just say we uh, wanted to go help the poor. And so we're going to gather all of our money together into one account, and we're going to use it to help the poor, okay? Let's just say we gathered together a million dollars. Those of you joining online, you're going to probably have to give too, so... um, We'll, we'll do that. We get a million dollars together, and the poor people come and ask for help. And so we give them $100,000 every time they come and help. That's pretty generous. But giving $100,000 out of our million dollars is giving out of our riches. If we want to give according to our riches, we would give them $900,000 or a million dollars. That would be giving according to our riches. And when we look at the glory of the the riches of glory in God, what we see is a universe that he created. We see the stars that he made and put in place and named every single one of them. And when we comprehend the extents of God's glory, we we see that it is limitless and it cannot ever be diminished. He has an endless account of grace. He has an endless account of patience. Thank God. And he has an endless account of supply. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says it this way. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. See, God will do immeasurably more than what you could ask or imagine. And I know some of you in here, you have great imaginations. But God can do immeasurably more. We may see a different, we may have a different idea, rather, of what we need versus what God sees that we need. Maybe our need is financial. Maybe our need is different. But when we do have a need, 
we have a God that has an endless supply, and he, can, and he can provide it and meet it no problem. Can you today, can you relax some of your worries today about where the next paycheck's going to come from, where the next meal's going to come from, maybe the next outfit's going to come from, and trust in God's endless supply? Finally, and most importantly, you need to place your faith in the Savior. As God often does, he bookmarks this verse with himself. When we place our faith in Jesus Christ, our relationship with the Father becomes very personal to him. We are welcomed into God's family, adopted children, dearly loved. And God paid the ultimate sacrifice by sending his son so that we could have access to the supplier and we could have access to the supply. Paul writes it this way in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. By placing my hope in God's Son, Jesus Christ, I truly have everything I need. Jesus is really all that I need. He's promised to never fail me. He's never let me go. And I want to trust that he never will. Paul starts off this verse with my God and ends it with in Christ Jesus. We start by trusting God for all of our needs and then we put our faith in Jesus Christ because he met the very deepest need that we all have, eternal life. My story concludes with this. After seven months of trying to trust God more and more each day and stop trusting in money or jobs or positions, I get a phone call from a company I didn't even apply to. And they offered me a contract job as a project manager for their current job that was going on. So what's so significant about that? Well, first, I didn't apply to them and they called me. That was kind of significant. But what's more significant is that the vehicle that my wife and I had was a leased vehicle. And I know you're going, Jim, I thought you were about finances. What's this whole lease thing about? I had to learn the same way, hard way, school of hard knocks. But my leased vehicle was coming due at the end of the month. And this phone call came right after Christmas, 2003. And the process was already in motion for the leasing company to come take the vehicle away. That vehicle I needed to be able to get to job interviews or to get to a job because there is no way we could afford to buy it out. And so when I was asked by this company, would you like the job? I said, when do I start? When do I start? The response was January 1st. You see, God knew what we needed. Here's what we needed. Faith, trust, patience, endurance, and then a job. God is a faithful God and he is a reliable God. He is a God worth our trust. And I hope you'll trust him today.
Let me give you a quick recap of what we talked about today. First, we acknowledge the source. It's the God of the Bible who supplies this. We accept the promise that he will provide. We recognize the gift that it's our needs, not our wants. And we comprehend the abundant, immeasurable supply that God has for us. And then finally, and most importantly, we put our faith in the Savior who provides our greatest need. Jesus said it best, and I'll conclude with these words. He says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 through 34. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Father in heaven, we thank you so dearly that you love us, that you desire to have us into your family, You desire that so much that you gave up your most precious thing, your holy son, to come and die and raise again so that we could have freedom from our sins, forgiveness of our sins, and life eternal with you, God. There is nothing more on this world that we need but you. God, this morning, you know the circumstances that people are in the struggles they're going through, the struggles they will go through. May we cling to your promise that you will provide, you will meet all of our needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. God, we give it to you today. We ask for a little more faith, a little more trust, knowing that you, God, are reliable trustworthy God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.